Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I want to thank all of you for always being there. We are we're going viral. It's amazing, and it's because of all of you, and it's because of the amazing guests we have on. And and I just I'm so excited for you to uh, to hear our next guest. But before I do that, I need to give a shout out to our sponsors, uh, Siegfried and Jensen. Thank you for believing in me, Wasatch Recovery. Uh, you guys have always believed in me from day one. I appreciate you so much. Veracity Networks and my good friend Drew Peterson. And then also uh, I Heal Institute, uh, Rebecca Diazavedo. She has an amazing uh, coaching that she does that you need to, uh, should check out. But she's believed in me as well. She's been on the podcast. So thank you for sponsoring this. And I'm just excited. Today we are joined by uh, Andrew Young. Drew? Thanks yeah. for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me back again. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's been on before. And uh, at the time he had written a book, uh, his first book, he wrote The the Meaning of Your Mission. And now he's got a new book out, uh, best-selling Stand Guard at the Door of Your Mind. And I've had an opportunity to read through that. And first of all, Drew, you're a great writer. Thank you. You're very descriptive with your words, and you make it very simple for, and you really paint a good story. Mm. But I love, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about our minds and how they can affect our lives, yeah. right? Good or bad, right? Absolutely. So we're going to talk about that. But a little background on uh, on Andrew. Um, you know, he shared a lot of this the first time he met with me. But he, you know, when he was younger, he went through panic attacks. He walked around fl- feeling like he was a failure. He struggled with depression. Uh, took tons of med- medication, tons of therapy sessions, uh, really got to the point where you just wanted to be dead. Yeah. And what's what's interesting, and we kind of chuckle a little bit as we're sitting here, if, you, if knowing you now, it's hard to see that. Yeah. But again, that just tells me the work you've put in and things that you've been doing. Mm-hmm. And But what you realize most of all, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you realize there's a purpose in all of this. Absolutely. And here you are writing books now, you're coaching um, you're trying out for ranger school. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to hopefully be working for Simon Sinek. So Simon, if you're listening to this, hire this dude. He's amazing. But, uh, you got a lot of, a lot of things going on in your life. Uh, you, you got a beautiful wife and, um, you guys just are just good people wanting to make mm. a difference in this world. And I love this book. I love the title of it. And we're going to get more into that, but tell us a little bit, Drew, how, Again, give us a little background on what you struggled with growing up. I know I mentioned a few things, but how did you get out of that? Let's remind our listeners about this. Yeah, well, I mean, it was a step-by-step journey. Like you said, I mean, it's hard to look back now and and see myself. I didn't see myself sitting here, you know, standing up on a stage 10 years ago, right? Yeah, right. Uh, I was in, like you mentioned, separation anxiety was the biggest part of my life from ages probably 5 to 16. Yeah, and then bullying came in at around ages 13 to 16. Mm. And then around age 19 was clinical depression and anxiety. And that's when like the real panic attacks and suicide yeah. ideation and um, therapy and medications took their turn 
from ages probably 19 to 23. And then, you know, I mean, I, I talk about it like, oh, four years, nothing. Like it was really difficult in the moment. Sure. But looking back now, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you know you have the opportunity to learn from it. And then when I was twenty four, that's when I wrote my first book, The Meaning of Your Mission, kind of highlighting, you know, regardless of the challenges we face, we all can discover and live our missions in life. And yeah. I, I believe that we each have a purpose and a mission in life to fulfill. Yeah. Uh, and then after that came out, I was like, why not? Let's write another book. Let's let's <laughs> let's keep Do this. this train rolling <laughs> yeah. down the tracks and. <laughs> So like you mentioned, the stand guard at the door of your mind is is tailored. I mean, anyone can read it and come away with keen insight and things like that. But I really kind of the key audience for it, in my personal opinion, are, you know, high schoolers, those who are either being bullied, those who mm-hmm. are looking for answers in terms of, you know, how can they get out of this mental yeah. funk? How can they yeah. discover what they want to do in life? How can they be okay with not being okay and not yeah. trying to be perfect all the time. And so that's kind of how I, how I got here. And I still struggle, you know, with my own mental health. It's a day by day battle for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I just, I live by the slogan, life is happening for me, not to me. Yeah. That's and so I preach that all day. Yeah, I love that. That's my, that's what I do. Well, you know, I love, uh, one of the things you talk about is you said, <laughs> I love this. The, the major determining factor in how your life turns out is yourself. <laughs> yeah. Surprise. There's the you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> yeah. right? But, you know, doesn't mean we don't need help from other people, obviously. But yeah. what you're saying is, well, I guess I'm going to let you say that. Why Why? Yeah. Why is it ourselves? Like, why is that the determining yeah. factor? Well, it, it honestly, it just comes down to we hold the key to our own prison, so to speak. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's it's up to us. We, we can, you know, you can take two individuals Mm-hmm. who come from very similar backgrounds and to use, you know, a, a money metaphor, one can stay poor and one can get rich. And yeah. they both, you know, grew up with the same parents, same went to the same schools and yet one prospered and one didn't. And what does that come down to? It comes to how they decided to live their life, how they were determined, how they focused their mind around becoming better. And yeah. so it's not the only determining factor in our life right, ourselves, sure. but like I said, it's the major determining factor because at the end of the day, we decide how we want our lives to turn out. I, you know, I talk yeah. about, you know, you can go through, anyone can go through difficult things and you see people all the time who, I mean, an example, Elizabeth Smart, you know, we know her as yeah. the, the young lady who was kidnapped and spent yeah. nine months in hell, right? Right. And yet she's grown up to be an advocate and a speaker and an author and an inspiration to millions of people around the world. Yeah. And she could have let her circumstances define who she was. Yeah. And she decided to rise above that. And so anyone, regardless of what they go through, who they are, what they do, can discover for themselves, like, I can do this. I can yeah. make the life that I want. I love that example, too, because it proves what you said earlier about life happens for you. As yeah. horrible as that was, and we wouldn't yeah. wish that on her or right. anyone ever, but yet because of that traumatic experience, look what she's doing now. And the same with you. I mean, you went through hell yourself. Yeah. Different kind of hell, but sure. it's still your hell. Yeah. And you you obviously have learned and grown from it, and here you are sitting here with me today, mm-hmm. and you're making an, an impact on people's lives. And so mm. you know, I couldn't agree more that not only is it on ourselves that uh, – have you noticed that when we really start working and doing it, our, doing our part, people want to pitch in? Yeah. But when we don't, people don't want to yeah, pitch in? Exactly. Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, it's really, I talk about it in the book as well. It's, 
you know, success is not something we pursue. Uh-huh. It's something we attract by the person we become. Yeah. And I use the metaphor of a butterfly, right? You can yeah. go around chasing a butterfly all day and it'll elude you. It'll fly <laughs> away. Right. But if you just kind of do your thing and sit down and maybe you're reading a book, maybe you're doing something, the butterfly will just come right by and land right by you, right? Yeah. And success is really similar where if we're constantly chasing after it, it'll, it'll elude us. We'll miss it every single time. But if we focus on becoming the best that we can be ourselves, mm-hmm. whether that's physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, success will say, ooh, I like this. I want to be where this person is. Yeah. And we'll attract it by that way. Wow, I love that. That's a great uh, metaphor and an analogy there. So I'm going to read this. Stand guard at the door of your mind aims to guide teenagers and adults in their search for a more fulfilling life amidst the confusions, tragedies, and injustices injustices that are swirling around them on a daily basis. You know, off air when we were getting started, you mentioned that you wanted this book yeah, it's definitely for adults because we can all learn from this. But you wanted to kind of maybe even gear it towards maybe the younger younger adults, even teenagers, yeah. as more of a, if they don't have a mentor in their life, this could be their mentor. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, when I was going through my really difficult circumstances from, you know, the ages of 12 to 16 when I was being bullied day in, day out, when I had separation anxiety, when yeah. I was viewing pornography to try and numb the pain that... I, you know, felt was, you know, holding on to me deep inside. I didn't have anyone that I could turn to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had parents and I had siblings and obviously there were people in the neighborhood, but I felt alone. And I wish that I would have had someone to kind of take me by the hand metaphorically and say, I got your back. Like, I'm going to be here for you. This is not going to be the end for you. And so I wrote that this book with that purpose in mind to kind of have it be that person's hand to hold. Yeah. Where if, if they have a really rough day, if they're struggling with their mental health, if they're being bullied, if they feel suicidal, they can pick it up and they can say, Drew made it. Drew yeah. experienced what I experienced. Right. So I can do this. I can make yeah. it. That, that was the goal. Okay. I love that. And because mentors are so important in our lives. And yeah. and I love that, hey, if you don't have one, this could be it. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when a teenager reads your book, they're going to feel that. They're going to feel like, wow, this guy gets it. Look mm-hmm. what he's been through. I want to I want to talk a little bit about the bullying because yeah. they're th- it's on the rise, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. I know there's a lot of kids out there who are bullied who really feel like they have nobody. Yeah. They usually isolate. They usually tend to close in, right? Yep. So talk about a little bit about how you were bullied and how you kind of broke out of this because you're mm. a very confident person. Mm. I mean, you're not afraid to ask anybody anything. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, yeah. even with me, like you, you're not afraid. Like, hey, Todd, let's do this. I'm, I'm on board. Let's yeah. go. I really appreciated your go get him attitude because mm. I know you weren't always like that. So no. how did the bullying? affect you? And then how did you kind of rise above that? Mm. I think our listeners would love to hear that. Yeah, it was, it was a huge process, step by step, day by day. Uh, it definitely defeated me for quite some time before Mm -hmm. I was able to kind of rise above it. And I, I actually devote a whole chapter in the book titled what four years of being bullied taught me exactly because it was such a important and influential part of my life in, in terms of the lessons I learned. And as I mentioned earlier, it started when I was about 12 and a half years of age. Uh, we had just moved, 
you know, from Connecticut to Utah, I was kind of the new kid on the block. I had separation anxiety and I was kind of the prime target for these kids who had been together for years and knew each other and everything to kind of be the one that was picked on. And so day in, day out, I was the, you know, the guy that they just chose to team up on and gang up against. And, you know, I was hit, I was kicked, I was verbally abused. Um, you know, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to scouts at the time. And like I mentioned before, my way of coping with that was turning to pornography. Mm. And so, like you mentioned, when someone's being bullied, they tend to isolate. Yeah. And a, because they don't have any connection with real human beings Yeah. and they feel like they're not good enough and they'll never be good enough. And so what's the point of even trying? What's the point of going out and, and making use of your life? Exactly. And so that's how I coped. And, and I, I talk about it a lot now where I'm a, a, a big anti-porn advocate where um, people can do whatever they want. But I learned firsthand the impact that pornography can have on a young mind. Right. Especially in terms of the detrimental effects it can have emotionally and mentally. Not only because, you know, it's proven to obviously, you know, lessen a lot of the physical capabilities that we have. Yeah. But in terms of mental and emotional it makes you draw back even further. Mm-hmm. And so the bullying was something that made me isolate. The pornography made me isolate more. Even more, right, yeah. yeah. And so I was just, just this you know, 13, 14-year-old kid with no friends, no connection, a very low sense of maturity, and zero confidence. And so I just kind of went through the motions there, honestly. Mm-hmm. I really just had to go through the motions. Uh, but when I was 16, my parents actually moved uh, a few blocks away my dad was renting a house the landlord said we want the house back so it actually that was the thing that kind of sprung us sprung me out of that situation okay uh and so you know to this day i i look back and i have compassion on myself my younger self because if we knew better we would do better Mm. and uh yeah that's (laughs) right and so i i personally believe that obviously bullying there's no reason for it i think that yeah. Regardless of whether it's in a family, in a professional setting, it needs to be cut off at the root, especially yeah. like right when it starts. And I'm not afraid to set a hard boundary with people now. And I think that's the the greatest <laughs> lesson I learned. That's what I noticed. Again, you're so confident <laughs> and I love it. You're you're straightforward with your words. Yeah. You don't screw around. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I actually appreciate that about you. <laughs> and I and I, I I try not I mean I my my motto in life is, you know, it's be kind, right? It's the yeah, shirt you're, I'm you're wearing, wearing the right shirt now. right now, yeah. Um, and I think that you can be kind, you can be respectful, but you can set a boundary with people and, yeah. and for them to know, like, I'm not going to be treated this way. I was treated this way yeah. for a long time, and I'm not going to be treated this way again. And I think that that's a way for – I tell my wife this, and I tell people this all the time. If something is so effective that it can mess with your mental health – you need to get rid of it or figure out a way to set a boundary right. around it. Because yeah. if your mental health is suffering, then everything else in life is suffering. Yeah, your relationships, your time, your profession, mm-hmm. everything, your family. So that's kind of what I learned from being bullied. Obviously, I go into a lot more detail in terms of who, what, where, when, why. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I don't hold any grudges. I've forgiven you know, everyone that wronged me during those years. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, to this day, none of them have sought forgiveness, but I still think it's important to kind of free your soul and say, you know what, there's no point of holding on to this. Yeah. Um, and in the words of Frank Sinatra, the best revenge is massive success. 
So that's kind of what's driven me. It's like, all right, bullies, look at me now. Yeah. And you, yeah. You, and you're doing great. Uh, I really am impressed with where you're at and not because of material things, just yeah. more the way you carry yourself. Yeah. Again, the, like you journey. said, you're being kind, you're being compassionate, but you're also being confident and positive. You believe in yourself and, and, and these bullies, if they could see you now and this is how you carry yourself, they'd be like, Whoa, who yeah. is this dude? Right. <laughs> um, I would imagine also drew that back then too, not only were you being bullied, but at times you were probably even bullying yourself mm. with your own inner dialogue. Yeah. Talk Absol- a little bit about that. Absolutely. I mean, well, when you're bullied to a certain extent, whether it's cyber or in person, mm-hmm. I mean, you start to believe it yeah. at times. Yeah. And so you beat yourself up once you start to internalize what they're saying to you. Right. And so even, I mean, just this past year during COVID, I read a statistic the other day that said that cyberbullying jumped 370% in 2020 alone. Wow. Meaning kids were at home, they were on Zoom, and they found oh. a way to mess with their classmates. They found a way to tease and, you know, suicide mm. rose last year it and did. mental health rose. Yeah. Anxi- anxious tendis- tendencies rose 270% last year. You know, people just yeah. were stuck at home and they didn't have hope. And Right. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot, there's a, there's a pandemic, not only in terms of the, the coronavirus, but bullying and suicide and mental health. We have all these pandemics going on right now Yeah, that, you know, we need more compassion. We need more kindness for ourselves and for others. That's how we're going to get out of this. Not by just one person going out and doing something over and over and over. And we need a communal effort. Absolutely. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Very well said. You know, I, th- I think again, that self-compassion is huge. But again, a lot of times we don't feel that way. But when we're compassionate to others, we actually start to get it back, which is interesting, yeah, right? Absolutely. So, And that's how, kind of how you live your life, which is awesome. <laughs> well, you know, again, we're talking about the mind and how that affects us, that inner dialogue. And really, that's kind of what your book addresses, mm-hmm. right? So what are some of the key things? You, you mentioned some, uh, you know, you, you talk about being bullied, you get, you go into great detail in that, mm-hmm. but what are some other key things that uh, people will gain from this book if they read this? Yeah. I mean, I, I talk a lot about success and failure. Mm-hmm. I think that to be able to distinguish that, especially at a young age is extremely important because a lot of the times we grow up with a very um, specific definition of what success is. Yeah. And it's probably based on how we're raised, the environment that we're in. But something that I talk about, and the same thing with failure, where we were raised knowing like, right. okay, if I do this, I am yeah. a failure. Right. Um, and I talk about very explicitly that there's a difference between failing and being a failure. Mm-hmm. Failing is actually, can be very healthy for us and for our growth and development. Yeah. And I would say, if I looked at my younger years, if I looked at the porn use, the bullying, the mental health stuff, the panic attacks, I could look at those as metaphorical failures in my life yeah. that taught me great lessons in order to get to where I am today. Right. And so at this point in my life, I don't like to fail. Failing is uncomfortable. We as human <laughs> beings don't like discomfort. Yeah. But I'm also fully aware of the benefits that it can have in my life if I treat it as such. Yeah. And same with success. I talk about how success is a completely subjective term, meaning right. what success means to me can be the opposite of what success means to you. And so I talk about how it's important to understand that when we're raising kids, when we're teenagers and we're thinking about what we want to do with our lives, 
it's very important to make our own definition of success. What does success mean to you as a 16-year-old? What does success mean to you as a 36-year-old, right, or a 56-year-old? Because a lot of the time, the reason why we're so unhappy in our lives is because we have these unmet or unmatched expectations. Right. And so when we don't meet those expectations, we see ourselves as, oh, we failed. But who set the expectations in the first place? Was it you? (laughs) Most likely not. Right. It was either how you were raised. It was either a leader in your youth that said it has to be done this way. Um, Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a school teacher. But I just invite people. I say, take out a notepad and think about what does success mean to you? Yeah. What does it really mean? And then pursue it. And then you'll know for sure when you've met that expectation. And that's a much healthier way for you to realize, okay, success is this for me. Mm -hmm. It may not be this. Yeah. And failing doesn't mean I'm a failure. Right. I only fail when I get knocked down and stay down. Yeah. Wow. Very well said. I heard it uh, the other day on the radio, which I thought was cool. Fail stands for, it's an acronym for first attempt in learning, right? Yes. I love that. <laughs> it's kind of a good, yeah, I said, I said the same thing out loud in my car. I'm like, that's great. I love that. That's perfect. Yeah. But it's true though. I think we have these kind of warped sense of uh, definitions around success and failure. And, yeah. and like you said, if our expectations aren't met, then we just automatically think, well, I'm a failure. I guess right. I'm not going to be able to do this or that. So. Yeah. And I grew up with that same mentality of thinking yeah. I was a failure because I wasn't meeting the expectations that were placed upon me. Yeah. And I didn't realize until, you know, probably this past year that success is about the expectations I set for myself and yeah. I can hit those. And if I miss them, I learn from them and continue forward. Yeah. Love it. Very good. Um, you got something you would like to read from your book there? Is that what you're looking up? No, I'm just kind of okay. going through it. Yeah. Well, I want to, something, you know, that I read in your book, um, you talk about how relationship with yourself is key. Like that is, uh, that is one of the best ways to, again, be established and feel, I mean, that in itself would be success, right? Yeah. You got a relationship with you. What does that look like and how does someone do that? You know, what are some of the things you talk about in there? Yeah. So I, I, I talk one the chapter is titled, it's all about relationships Yeah. because at the end of the day, I personally believe, and this is my subjective point of view, I'm not trying to put it on any of your listeners, yeah. that the quality of our lives is the quality of our relationships. Mm. And the more fruitful, productive, fulfilling the relationships we have, especially our close relationship with you know, family, friends, our spouse, our kids, yeah. the more fulfilling our lives will be. Because for anyone who's listening to this who's married, they'll understand right off the bat that if there's a conflict at home, then there's going to be problems at work. Right. There's going to be problems at the Spills mother-in-law's over, yeah. house. Yeah, I mean, everything is struggling when there's a, a conflict going <laughs> so on with true. the spouse. Yeah. And so <laughs> I talk about relationships and the power that they have, mm-hmm. but we can't build strong relationships with others until we've built that relationship with ourselves. And I kind of saw my struggles as a teenager and then also into my early 20s <clears throat> as building that relationship with myself, getting to know myself. I used to be very uncomfortable spending time by myself. Right. A, because I was so insecure. I didn't know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be by myself. I felt kind of icky, like, right. who am I? And then I finally realized, you know, I need to I need to be by myself. I need to get to know myself. Yeah. I need to get out my journal and, and write, what are my likes? What are my dislikes? What do I want to do with my future? What are my goals? What are my passions? What am I afraid of? And just as if you were a therapist asking someone questions about who they are, 
we need to ask those questions about who we are, yeah. right? We need yeah. to get to know ourselves. Love that. And then that's a process. That's a year, year yeah. by year, day by sure. day, month by month process. Yeah. But the better that we get to know ourselves, the more confident we become, the more secure we become in our own shoes. And then we can go out and conquer the world and be able to utilize that relationship with ourselves to make better relationships with others. Dang, so good. Oh, good stuff, man. <laughs> you mentioned in your book too, <clears throat> you said most people, especially more now it seems like, and I want you to talk, elaborate on this, where we're uncomfortable with silence. Mm. And especially now because of you know social media, kids are on their phones for hours. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you probably see this with your coaching too. I mean, these yeah. kids will spend eight hours a day yeah. on TikTok. Like yeah. eight hours. Yeah. I'm like, how did you fit eight hours? You know what I mean? It's like, you're <laughs> yeah. it blows your mind, but uh-huh. they are. So talk about what one... We're uncomfortable being in the silence. Obviously, social media and other things play a part in keeping us from that. How do we break out of that? And how do we start getting comfortable with yeah. being okay with having it be quiet? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a that's a great question. <laughs> and I, I read this the other day as well that most people check their phones like 242 times a day. Wow. That's, that is like powerful stuff if you really think about it. And I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my goodness, do I do that? You know, I, I'm always... Because yeah. I mean, I have my email on my phone, my work is on my phone, yeah. my my wife is on my phone, my <laughs> baby's on my phone. Yeah, and you know, it's so easy to get distracted. Yeah, and so in terms of being able to kind of reground ourselves and become comfortable with being uncomfortable, because that's mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Like right. I mentioned it before, we don't like discomfort, and so right. when something is silent when something is stagnant we become really uncomfortable yeah and there was actually a study done where they took two groups of people they put them in the room and they said okay would you rather sit in silence for 15 minutes or would you rather have a moderate shock to your arm (laughs) and 70 percent of the group said we'll have the shock really yeah because we don't want to sit in silence because it's too uncomfortable And so I don't know if there's a definitive answer to kind of starting the conversation in terms of, you know, how can we become more comfortable with silence? Mm -hmm. But I think it comes back to developing that relationship with yourself. Yeah. Because if you can't be silent with yourself, then you're not going to be able to thrive in that atmosphere of, okay, well, I guess I'll just have my phone on me all the time. And so I I really do believe (laughs) it starts with, because... I mean, I'll, I'll admit sometimes I, I'm uncomfortable with silence, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and this book, obviously I wrote it, it, but I'm still working on the content that I, that I wrote sure. in there as well. Yeah. But something that helps me, I mean, there's many different things that you can do. I mean, exercises is really good to help with concentration and, and paying attention. And that, that involves, you know, being able to be comfortable by yourself. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, people are getting less and less sleep that, that, you know, plays a role in, constantly wanting to be stimulated by distractions and things because we don't have the Mm -hmm. ability to just kind of sit in silence so I think there's there's a lot of different aspects but in terms of kind of the one biggest thing I would just have to say I mean it's a step-by-step process you kind of have to take a inventory of how you spend your time and say eight hours a day on TikTok is too much. (laughs) It's too much and I mean luckily nowadays I don't know if it's across all phones but you can get a weekly update in terms of like your screen time. Yeah, right. And, you know, obviously it depends on work and activities and stuff, but you can set some limits and you can set some boundaries and say, what is important to me? Is spending eight hours a day on my phone important to me or is it 
you know, getting really good at this sport? Is it mastering this instrument? Yeah. And then that's a good way, I think, to start it off. Oh, I love that. And, you know, because you, you said, you know, relationship with yourself is key. But if we're spending all our time being distracted by social media, TV, whatever else, yeah. and we're not spending that time to be by ourselves, how are we ever building that relationship? And so we miss out on that. We do. You know? Um, I love that. I'm a huge believer in that as well. There's a beautiful quote, if I can share that, yeah. by Ganelia Norris that says, um, within each of us, there is a silence as vast as the universe. And when we experience that silence, we remember who we are. Mm. And I think we forget who we are when we're on social media all day long. Yeah. I'm guilty of it too. I'm not trying to say I'm perfect at this either. It's the comparison but conundrum. It is, you know. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad you address that in your book because I think that's important. And especially if you're going to be, a, this book's going to be a mentor to the younger yeah. generation. I think, th- I think there needs to be like a hard stop on these things, yeah. man, because it's really going to cause some issues. So I, I'm so glad that I, when I read that in your book, I'm like, wow, I'm glad you're addressing yeah. that. And it's also just in terms of being self-aware enough. I yeah. think that when you become self-aware, that's a big uptick in your self-maturity mm-hmm. as well. And just yeah. kind of understanding, you know, what is setting a, a limit with yourself and what is enough, you know, yeah. what is too much. And then being able to understand that and move forward with the process. Yeah, I love that. So let me ask you this. I mean, obviously you've written two books now and they're both awesome and you're getting a lot of good feedback. You've helped a lot of people already with this book. Mm. What what has been the best thing for you about writing this book? Mm. <laughs> uh, that's a great question. The first thing that came to my mind was having my dad say that he's proud of me. Ooh. Um, yeah. And not necessarily because I, I seek after that, but just because it's interesting when you write a book, you don't really expect your family to read it, even though you'd <laughs> think know. like they would be the first ones oh, to totally, read it. Totally. Um, <laughs> but most of the time it's just kind of like, if they don't read it, I'm okay with that. You know, I wrote it for other people. Right. Uh, <laughs> But I think the, the, the most beneficial thing thus far has been the feedback from intimate family members yeah. who have told me how much they've enjoyed it, who've, you know, sent me texts at night with a quote from the book and said, yeah. you know, I love this. Love this part. Um, yeah. But looking towards the future, I think, you know, my, my passion is going to be speaking in high schools, speaking in middle schools and yeah. being able to really help that younger generation move up. And so that's about, that's my future passion yeah. to be able to, and excitement in terms of looking at this book. Oh, I love it. And you're setting the stage for it because this book, yeah. I mean, what books do, they, they establish credibility, let's be honest. They really yeah. do. Yeah. And this that's gives true. you a good platform to stand on for that very reason. And, mm-hmm. and I can totally see you doing that again. That would be. <laughs> I hope so. It, well, and I think too, going back to you being bully at such a young age, you know, what an influence you'll be on these these younger kids going, oh, you know, because you know what it's like to be bullied. And when you share yeah. that, they're going to go, oh, I, I want to listen to this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not, you know, nothing against the, you know, the 40 or 50 year old speakers in middle schools. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm <laughs> you're raising your hand. I'm sorry. No, you're good. But I mean, I, I'm <laughs> I'm not as far removed from the generation sure. that's currently in there. And so. You know, hopefully they'd be able to say, oh, you know, he's 25 and doing this, then maybe I could do it too. Yeah, absolutely. So. No, I think it's great. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. He just did a shot at the bow (laughs) towards me. He's down. No, it's all good. No, I I respect what you said, and that's so true on so many levels. Um, 
Uh, so what, what is the next thing for you? Like what you've written this book, we're here talking about it. I, I encourage anyone listening to this to go get this book and we'll mm-hmm. talk about how to do that yeah. here in a minute. But like, what is the next step for you? Like what, what's on the horizon yeah. for you, Drew? Currently, I'm, I'm obviously I pursue a, I work, you know, a full-time job. Yeah. And that's just something that, you know, puts food on the table and allows me to grow my professional skill set. Yeah. But in terms of my passion, I'm really focusing on coaching yeah. and speaking. And yeah. so, uh, I became a professional coach back in April mm-hmm. and have been able to, you know, serve a couple dozen clients since then. That's awesome. And, you know, in a plethora of different things in terms of, you know, some are struggling with drug use and they're looking to figure out, you know, how can I retrain my brain not to want this yeah. with some it's, you know, weed with some it's pornography with some it's alcohol or cigarettes. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoy being able to work one-on-one with people and throughout a week by week, month by month process, see the growth that can come from, you know, an intimate coaching session where my number one goal is to be of service to them. And their number mm-hmm. one goal is to get a job, overcome a negative habit, yeah. work on their anxiety, their depression. I'm obviously, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor, but I can work more proactively just as a coach can with different people in terms of these are some exercises. These are yeah. some, you know, meditation things you can do. There's some skills we can build together. I'm not just listening. I'm proactively trying to help them. For so sure. that's my passion. That's what I hope to continue to be doing in the future. Yeah. Well, you may not be a licensed therapist, but therapy is what you do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. therapy. Sorry, folks. It's just the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I'm not a licensed therapist. I've been yeah. coaching for 32 years Yeah. and therapy takes place. Yeah. That's just what happens. It's true. Just talking to someone's exactly. therapy. So, but again, I, I appreciate what you're saying there yeah. for sure. Um, and so I know you, we mentioned, and this is a little side note, but I'm more interested in you. So you're <laughs> trying not to be a ranger so, or, or want to be a ranger. Talk about so that. So it's actually the Texas Rangers, the major league baseball sure. team. So not trying out, but just trying to work be within, a part the, of the, organization. within the organization. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So, I had that miss. I mean, I, I wish that I had the capacity <laughs> and the capability to do that, but yeah. uh, okay. in terms of a longer term plan, you know, well, when you said that, I thought I could see you doing that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm confident, but I, I, know, I know where my abilities, you know, can reach their limits. So, okay. So it's more working with the organization. Yeah. I'd love to be in the front office and, you know, maybe 25 years from now, be at the, the top of the organization. Right we'll on. Really? So. And so you're heading out there shortly, I would imagine. Yeah. Wife and daughter and I are moving out to Fort Worth in about two months. So we're, we're really wow. looking forward to it. New chapter, new adventure. Yeah. And just spreading our wings and coming together as a family and uh-huh. figuring out what this life is all about. Dang, that is so cool. Yeah. We're I love excited. that. Um, so how can any, how can someone get this book, uh, your new book and your other book as well? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. Talk to you. Yeah. And that's something that I, I really try to preach in my speaking mm-hmm. and coaching is I want people to reach out to me. I want to be, yeah. I want to be that that mentor, that that support to someone who, whether they're 16 or 60, I don't care, reach out to me and say, mm-hmm. you know, I need somebody right now. I need a friend. In yeah. fact, last week, if I can share this little. Please. So I, I grew yeah. up in Connecticut and I had a friend who was probably two years older than me. And this friend had a brother who was probably seven or eight years older than us. And I didn't know him at all. I just knew his name. 
but he's like seemed to found me on social media and has been seeing some of my posts around, you know, suicide awareness and prevention and right. how I tell people to, you know, reach out if you are ever in this situation, cause I want you to stay. And a week ago I got a random Facebook message from this individual and they said to me, you know, I'm, I really need some help right now. Can I call you? And normally I, I, I kind of differentiate. I know some people are trying to, you know, don't have the best intentions in mind sure. and some people actually yeah. really need help. Yeah. Right. And so I thought to myself, okay, well, sure. And we ended up talking for 10 or 15 minutes and he just said, you know, I have three daughters and I'm at my limit. I think, you know, I want to just, today's my last day basically. Mm. And he said, um, you know, I need to know that things can get better. I need to know, you know, do I need to visit a psychiatrist? You know, do I need to get yeah. some extra help? And so I sent him some resources. I listened to him. I validated him. And I said, listen, we, we need you to stay. I said, you, you'll feel better eventually. Yeah. And I know that you feel awful now and you feel like it's not going to get any better, but I really believe that it will get better for you. And he sent me, uh, we hung up the phone. He sent me a message later that night and he said, because of you, three daughters have their daddy today. Mm. And I don't take any credit for that in terms of I did something, but because of the uh, advocacy and availability, I think people need someone to reach out to. Yeah. And so they can find me, they can find me on Instagram, Mr. Drew B. Young. You'll, I'm sure will you'll tag me or things sure. like that. Absolutely. Um, but the easiest way to find the book is on, honestly on Amazon. People, most people are on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a place to get books nowadays. That's the place to go. Uh, yeah. but you can reach out to me. You can send me an email and we can put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. I love it. Well, I encourage all all who are listening now to to reach out to you, ask you any questions, get, go get your book, support you that way. Yeah. Give it, if you have a teenager who's struggling, this is the book. I really, Thank I mean, you. it can help anybody. Right. But if you have a teenager, a daughter, a son who are right. struggling with anxiety, um, they're isolating a lot, they are being bullied themselves. This is the book. I'm telling mm. you, folks. Thanks, um, Todd. I've got one more question for you, and I usually like to ask this of all my guests because it's it's so profound, and I've gotten more feedback on this question mm. from people listening than any other question. Wow. And it's this one. If there's someone listening to your voice right now who is struggling, Drew, who is in that dark place, you've already given a lot of great information yeah. and great advice, but this one person who's listening right now who is struggling and they're not sure how to get out of it, what would you tell them right now? Life can get better for you. That's my message of hope. Mm -hmm. When I tell my story, that's the, that's the climax right there. Mm -hmm. I talk about my struggles, my challenges, yeah. everything that I had to go through, anxiety, bullying, um, depression, suicide ideation, medication, therapy, everything life can get better for you. I know you're in a dark place. I completely validate where you're at and I want you to know that life can get better for you. Keep getting back up. It may be days, weeks, months, or years, but eventually I tell this to people all the time. Eventually you'll get past where you are. Mm -hmm. And one day you'll tell your story to somebody. It may be on a bus. It may be a grandchild. It may be speaking on a stage and someone will hear it and it will become their survival guide. Yeah. And so what you're wow. going through now Maybe it's decades from now. You'll tell that story to somebody else and they'll say, because of you, I chose to stay. Wow. Very well said. <laughs> Thank you.
That was powerful. Thank you. You're an amazing man. And I'm grateful that you took some time today out of your busy schedule. I know it took us a minute to kind of hook up the second time, but thank you for being patient. (laughs) No, I'm grateful. This has been fantastic. Uh, I feel of your goodness, and I know those listening to your work. Drew's Drew's the real deal, folks. He uh, loves helping other people. He has no other motive than trying to make a difference in someone's mm-hmm. life. So please support him with getting his book, Stand at the, go- uh, the Guard of the Door of Your Mind, and um, check out his other book too. And please reach out to him and send him any message that you would like. And uh, Drew, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. I can't it, huh? thank you enough. No, this has been grateful. Likewise. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support and your belief in me. That means so much. Please share this episode with your teenage boy or daughter. I guarantee you, uh, if you think they're st- even if you think they're doing okay, I trust me, they're struggling with something. This is the episode for them to listen to. So please uh, reach out to them and give them this uh, link. Uh, I'll be posting this soon. And uh, I love you guys. And thanks to the sponsorships as well. I love you. And Drew, you're amazing. Thanks for your time today. Appreciate you, Todd. Likewise.